Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. What's up, everyone? It's CW, and you know that the Midtown Business Radio Show is all about creating opportunities for your business to be more profitable. We do that in a number of ways. We're bringing in experts all the time who have excellent advice for ways to mitigate risk, for you to be more efficient, for you to save cost. And then we're also obviously introducing you to a number of technology companies and other businesses that have platforms and, and technology solutions that will help you automate certain functions, maybe grow more efficient in a number of different ways or be better able to accumulate and analyze data, for example. We also introduce you to ways that you can grow your business more quickly, being able to forge new relationships with prospective customers. This week, I introduced you to a technology expert, John Mammon. He's the CEO of Empowered IT. And for the small to mid-sized business, it usually doesn't make sense for them to employ a full-time or even a part-time IT expert to try to manage their infrastructure, their hardware, keep their software working. John Mammon's company, Empowered IT, helps those businesses to get access to a full gamut of IT experts and leaders so that they can outsource that, save a great deal of cost for their business, oh, and at the same time, increase the reliability of the technology that their business depends on to do its thing. And then we also introduced you to Brian Keene. He's the president and CEO of a company called Health Cooperative Strategies. And for a long time, health plan companies were able to put together discount plans for groups of persons, usually in an association or maybe a, something like a chamber of commerce and different groups like that. When they had a large group of individuals who are relatively healthy, they could get access to discounted rates from those health plans to cover their insurance needs. Nowadays, with the ACA, that's gone away from the majority of the companies that we're familiar with on a day-to-day basis. And Health Cooperative Strategies has actually been able to put together self-funded plans that allow these organizations who lost their ability to get access to those types of discounted healthcare rates. Now they have access to that through this company. You're going to want to check out Brian Keene and his company. Coming up, John's going to talk about why it makes sense to engage with Empowered IT with your business and why he enjoys doing it like he does. I'm what is referred to these days as a managed services provider. I've been doing it for a lot longer back when I started doing doing this business. It wasn't called managed services, but essentially we become the IT department for small and medium businesses for a fixed monthly fee. And when we say we become the IT department, generally what we mean is we provide everything from the help desk through systems administration, 7x24 network operations, and most importantly, C-level guidance and consulting. And in addition to that, we do provide cloud services, backup and disaster recovery, and network security, which is more and more important every day. And here's Brian sharing how their self-funded health plans benefit the associations and clients they work with. Check it out. Health Cooperative Strategies builds, manages, and supervises self-funded trust health plans uh, for large associations and carriers looking to create an alternative to the ACA and exchange products. It would help the members of those associations that used to be able to access better health care through better pricing, preferred pricing, networks, options, accessibility, things like that. We, we kind of retooled and rebuilt that product in the market place by using a self-funded model. We feel we're a direct response to the ACA and the carriers and, the, and, and what the carriers are doing in the marketplace, and especially in uh, the physician's world. We, we do a lot in Georgia with the physician practices down here. We just feel we're the response. We're the alternative. If practices don't want to have smaller network access and have their premiums continue to increase at the renewals over you know, 20, 30% a year, we're that option. Stick around. We got the full interview with Brian Keene and John Mammon coming up next. 
Good afternoon, everyone. It's CW. Thanks for joining us on the Midtown Business Radio Show, bringing you a guest that uh, joined us on Top Docs not too long ago. They're providing outsourced IT solutions for the healthcare community as well as the small to mid-sized business community, giving them an option to be able to manage their hardware infrastructure to uh, a wide variety, the full gamut basically of IT needs that a business might have and do so with typically less cost than they might have and greater efficiency if they were trying to do that themselves. So John Mammon, CEO of Empowered IT, joining us in the studio. Thanks for coming by, man. It's great to be here. Thank you. You brought a guest with you. You want to introduce us to him real quick? This is Brian Keene with Health Cooperative Strategies, and Brian is the president of that organization. And I look forward to learning a little bit more about the solutions that you provide. We were talking a little bit before we went on air, so uh, I'm real excited to introduce your solutions to the community. Oh, thank you for having me, CW, and John, thank you. John, for the folks that aren't familiar with Empowered IT, talk a little bit about what you guys do exactly and give them a little background on how this came about. I'm what is referred to these days as a managed services provider. I've been doing it for a lot longer. Back when I started doing this business, it wasn't called managed services, but essentially we become the IT department for small and medium businesses for a fixed monthly fee. And when we say we become the IT department, generally what we mean is we provide everything from the help desk, through systems administration, 7x24 network operations, and most importantly, C-level guidance and consulting. And in addition to that, we do provide cloud services, backup and disaster recovery, and network security, which is more and more important every day. My friend's cousin is managing my uh, IT stuff for me, and he's doing it at a great rate. So I'm I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, um, we run into that occasionally uh, where somebody's relative is uh, doing it for uh, for a song, so to speak, or as a favor. Um, you know, a lot of times organizations, as they grow, they will outgrow the abilities of that person. But, How often uh, does that turn into the blues? Uh, <laughs> more frequent than probably anybody would want to hear. <laughs> so when it comes to this kind of uh, a solution where you're outsourcing things, um, you know, uh, I was sharing the episode from last week where we had IRC Wealth where you outsource the the CFO uh, position for your business. When does it make sense to do that versus trying to do it yourself, trying to have a friend of a friend do it for you? When do you think it makes sense to have somebody like yourself come in with the expertise that you all bring and provide that kind of a set of solutions? Sure. Um, our, our solution does scale from everything from a, a three-person shop to a 250-person shop and above. Um, when it makes sense is when the organization is growing um, and you are trying to use all of your resources to manage and grow the business. Um, in my own business, you know, I outsource my accounting functions because I'm not an accountant, right? So I could make a case that you know every organization should outsource their their technology solutions and other services within their organization that is not their core business practice. Um, really focus in on what their business is, um, you know, how to grow that business, how to run it more effectively, how to be a market leader versus spending resources and time internally trying to keep the computers running, trying to stay ahead of the curve with cloud technology, trying to worry about network security and things of that nature. So I guess a better question then, based on what you're saying, is when would it make sense to have those people on the inside versus doing it with the outsource model? Because it sounds like for many small and mid-sized companies that really the wisest way to do this, managing the all of the hardware and servers and all the different things, if you have that kind of stuff, if you're on, a, I guess, a legacy-type system and you're mm-hmm. not on the cloud yet, when does it make sense to have that inside versus 
doing it this way, which sounds like really the better way for the small to mid-sized business. Yeah, there are um, two, uh, and, and there's probably other circumstances, but there was two main ones that I would say. One is when the organization is um, such that high touch is very important, um, meaning that somebody is you know sitting at a desk in arm's reach um, for end user support, uh, and where they want that uh, you know that quick. I'm going to grab you by the arm, and uh, we call it hall jacking. You know, somebody gets <laughs> hall jacked and you know pulled in to fix my thing right now versus submitting it to the service desk. Uh, the second time, uh, the second instance where I think it's very important is when you have um, mission critical, a mission critical application or database that you um, are doing a lot of business intelligence uh, with, uh, that you um, have uh, very specific uh, proprietary information and you have a person dedicated to uh, managing that application, managing that data, getting you the uh, intelligence out of that data. Those are things that a shop like mine or any other for that matter would generally not be the best choice for. Can you give an idea of what kind of cost that we're talking about? Clearly, the, you know, you, I know that you have the scalability. It just, it, it's going to vary depending on the number of people and stations and different things that we're managing. So uh, I know that there's, there's not a hard number per se, but I mean, do you have an idea of a, a rough estimate? If I'm a small business, how does it compare to me having somebody or paying just paying somebody in terms of cost versus the level of service and the level of reliability of my systems when I'm with a outsourced expert company like yourself versus someone who just kind of does it? Sure. Um, so one of the things we like to talk about is our services are more proactive in nature for starters. Um, and that what that means is because we charge a fixed monthly fee for our support, um, we make more money when you have less problems. So that's a win-win solution, right? If there's less problems, so you, it's a win for you, it's a win for me, and I'm profitable. Um, so we take a more proactive approach to the environment. Typically, if you're trying to do it with, say, the office manager or, you know, the owners, you know, kind of walking around trying to fix the computers in a spare time, you're doing that in a reactive fashion. You know, something's broke, it's not working anymore, I need to go fix it. And um, that's great for the, the workstations, but not so great when it comes to your server or your network security, because when those things start to fail, there's much broader implications. So we talk about being proactive and, and, and that we're actually saving the organization money uh, over time um, by not only being proactive and trying to minimize downtime, but also returning time to the people to do their actual jobs that they were hired for. Mm -hmm. IT expert John Mammon, CEO of Empowered IT, is with us in the studio right now. We're talking about why it makes sense for the small to mid-sized business to outsource their IT management all the way up to C-level involvement, if you will, uh, where they're overseeing the full gamut of the business's IT efforts. Um, we talked about the fact that they can increase the reliability of your systems, keeping your critical software that you have and hardware that it's going to be re residing on um, operating far more, more reliably than if you're just trying to manage either yourself or trying to pay a low rate um, mm -hmm. for that. If you're any kind of a, you know, gosh, if you have any kind of e-commerce that you're trying to manage or um, some sort of technology is a key component of your business, if it goes down, well, then you're just sitting there while, it, while it's being worked on, I guess. Right. And, and what a lot of organizations, you know, try to do is manage this, you know, either with somebody internally who may not have a, a wide breadth of IT expertise, or they might be using, you know, a very small shop or a, a one-man show who's just an engineer 
um, without fixing you know, the computers and the servers. One of the major differentiators in our program is that we are um, providing C-level guidance and consulting as part of it. Um, a lot of, you know, if you're dealing with somebody internally or a one-man show, it's unlikely that that person has the business experience to really help guide you in the decision-making process when it comes to technology. You know, is the cloud right for me? Um, am I considering backup and disaster recovery? Do I need to, is that, my, is that important to my business? Um, is there more to network security than, than just my firewall? Uh, those are all questions and, thing, and, and concerns that we help keep you in front of uh, versus, again, a reactive relationship with someone who may or may not even have the business experience to even have that conversation. And talk about that. We, you know, everybody, you can't turn around without seeing an advertisement on TV, for example, for cloud services. Well, what exactly does that mean? Where's my stuff living? I don't want it out there in the world. I want it right here. Why, why does it make sense to be using the technology that is cloud-based computing? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it depends on what cloud what cloud technologies we're talking about. Uh, the cloud technologies can range from everything from Office 365 and, and Google Drive to actually outsourcing all of your uh, infrastructure into a data center and thereby making it cloud ready, right? So now you're in the cloud. If we put it in a data center and you access it over the internet, it's now your systems are all in the cloud. So um, it, it's different for different companies, you know, and, and the cloud isn't necessarily for everyone. And I think that is one of the things that, you know, business owners feel a lot of pressure over, you know, am I doing everything I can to, you know, stay ahead of the curve? Should I be in the cloud? Should I not be in the cloud? And that's, an, again, another example of the, uh, the kind of conversations that we will have with them. And it's mixed. You know, some people are, you know, very uh, cloud averse. They're very nervous about security. Um, where's my data living? Um, and it, that's okay. You know, um, whether that's right or wrong isn't for, you know, anyone to judge. If they're more comfortable with their systems internally, then so be it. Uh, and I also deal with people who are much more uh, aggressive in this category. You know, whatever I can get out of my office and simplify my network, um, that's what I want to do. So uh, my phone systems, get them out. My email, get it out. Get all these servers out of here. And, and that is a, a growing trend um, with, with business owners looking to simplify their technology infrastructure because that's one way to get that uh, ongoing uptime uh, to at the highest level possible. And is there a, a kind of a general recommendation? I mean, does it really depend on what, what would you say as far as advising? Maybe you should think about moving off of servers in your office to computing on the cloud. When, is there kind of a general consensus or a thought of the type of business or the type of information that we're dealing with or the type of systems that we're working on software-wise? that it might make more sense and be more efficient and more reliable to be in the cloud? Because from what I understand from the security perspective, the cloud is almost far far more advanced in terms of security measures than our firewall is on the on my home computer or the business computer. Right. Um, I would say very generally, and I stress the word generally, um, organizations that have a, just a file server, um, in other words, they're using it for um, you know, log in, uh, logging in, managing, essentially managing printers and centrally managing files. Those are excellent candidates. 
um, to consider the cloud. It's practically a no-brainer, really. Um, now, there are some caveats to that. You know, are there compliance issues? Um, you know, are, do I have a, a, an application that I'm using on that system, like a high transaction database? Those are all considerations when thinking about the cloud. But very generally speaking, if, if the server is ba basically a centralized uh, sharing utility, if you will, um, those are excellent candidates for cloud for a cloud discussion. So if I'm keeping photos out on Google Drive, I'm using the cloud. Absolutely. Uh, many organizations are using the cloud and they just don't realize it um, because of this, you know, very nebulous, no it's pun sneaking intended, up on cloud, <laughs> you know, cloud uh, services. So, yeah. And from what I understand now, the, the guest that you brought with you today is actually a client of Empowered IT. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. we... Um, we used uh, John Services. We brought him in uh, over a year ago. And I'll tell you, from a business owner's perspective, um, our business has been rapidly growing over the last 12 to 18 months, and we've been out aggressively hiring. But one thing I don't know is technology. I mean, I'll admit it. John knows this from years of knowing me. I'm not a technology guy. I don't understand it. I know what we need. Uh, so, you know, when you were talking about whether do you hire somebody internally or do you outsource it? For us, it was very simple. It's outsourcing because nobody on my CEO uh, and team that's on my management team and below knows who to hire in an IT space like that, knows what to be looking for. Now, if you're talking healthcare, I can point you in the right direction and hire people from all over the city. Um, but certainly from a technology standpoint, it's very difficult to know what you're looking for and who to hire. And then you end up hiring somebody at an elevated salary and it costs you money. And then what we have found, what I've found with other businesses as well, is you end up, out, they end up outsourcing that anyway. If you hire somebody that doesn't know what they're doing in your IT department, they end up calling somebody like John <laughs> and you pay for it twice. So it was much easier from our point of view to, to use somebody like John. And, and not only that, he came to us and said, look, we need to redo your website. It's time to redo this website. We work with an association. Um, so we've referred John into all the associations we work with. Brian Keene is the president and CEO of Health Cooperative Strategies. So, Brian, what was your situation as it relates to the IT side of your business before you went this way? Well, we had partnered about three years ago with a firm um, where we shared office space, and they had an IT department. That firm got sold, um, and when that happened, their IT department went away, um, and that left a void. You know, we had had that internal uh, IT, and I know they were paying a tremendous amount of resources to towards it. And they were actually, right up until they got sold, were looking to get rid of the IT department as well. Um, so it created a void. Uh, my CFO and I sat down and said, look, do we go out and hire that? I mean, or do we outsource it? And then I picked up the phone called John and really just had a conversation. He said, but here's what I'm doing. Here's what I think Empowered IT can do. Until you sit down and see the breadth of services they can provide, um, not only from your typical IT support and, you know, coming in and, and on, you know, on a service problem, like he was talking about reactive, uh, he came to us and said, here's what we need to do. Like the website stuff, you need to get a little more secure over here. You need to, you know, so he was much more proactive for us. So that, that void kind of created the opportunity for John. From the perspective of software, hardware, servers, that kind of stuff, what did, what were you dealing with in the office? Um, more of hardware and software issues. Um, we were at, we were in the, the transition stage of taking everything that we were doing that we had internally on drives and pushing everything out towards the cloud, which we, now my entire management teams, everything's on the cloud because we have uh, not only stuff in Georgia and, 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 and a trust in Ohio and we're building in other states, so we have teams and vendor partners that actually need to go in and, and access that material. 
So through the sky drives and all the, I'm not going to get too technical because I'll embarrass myself, but <laughs> there are people out there you can access any, any of your vendor partners you give, you know, secured access to that cloud and they go and grab what they need. And it's almost like a library. It checks it out. We know who's checked it out. We know who has access to it. We know who's been in there. And then we know when it's back in there. Okay. Well, I mean, while we're talking about the, you know, the company Health Cooperative Strategies, we may as well dig in a little bit and, sure. and learn more about the, the company and the solutions that you provide. Because as we were talking about earlier, the company is positioned to really provide an alternative to some of the, I guess, traditional insurance, health insurance offerings now, particularly since the ACA has kicked in and has really changed the world as it relates to what used to be available for, say, my trade association or a chamber of commerce or whatever the case may be, that I was able to be, because I was a member of that trade association and I was healthy, then I could get my health insurance at a great rate, at a great discounted group rate, that it, it was better than what I could get just going on the street market. That's exactly, especially in Georgia. Georgia had several large, very successful association-based plans um, through the carriers. And really, when ACA really um, came about, the impact it had in Georgia uh, has been tremendous. You've seen a lot of your major associations from the chamber down um, lose really what was the most valuable benefit to their membership. Um, One thing that we've uh, been able to do through Health Cooperative Strategies is come up with a solution that helps these associations and chambers um, work with um, their members to provide an alternative to the health insurance uh, quotes that typically most of your small businesses or physician practices uh, get quotes from their agents. And what they've seen, and I I don't think I'm probably speaking to anybody that's listening, would disagree with, every year you get a renewal increase of 15, 20, 30 (laughs) percent. And what you've seen, especially since ACA's come back over the last three or four years, you've really seen those increases get larger and larger and larger. And if, if you keep up with any of the news at all, uh, the consolidation of the carriers in the marketplace, uh, we know now there's probably three major carriers left since Anthem's buying Cigna. And what that does is there's less uh, of an opportunity. There's the competition, the competitive balance goes down, and we know the rates will continue to climb. So what Health Cooperative Strategies does is we go out and we build a healthcare solution through a self-funded platform uh, for these associations. We work hand-in-hand with some of the carriers uh, to provide uh, valuable benefits to their members that they used to be able to do at a preferred discount. One of the unique things, CW, that we do is all of our plans are issued as certificate of authority. So where some of our competitors, which we don't have anybody in our space specifically, but you do see other self-funded plans spring up, they don't carry a self uh, certificate of authority issued by the Department of Insurance. And in short, that basically means the Department of Insurance of Georgia says, or Ohio says, this plan's viable, we audit it, we regulate it, it's a real deal plan, uh, and, it's, a, and it's, it's, it's available to be purchased in the state. So, And as far as who can link up and take advantage of this kind of health plan option, you know, there's certain things they have to meet as, as far as size or the type of industry or anything like that. I know that you work a lot in, in the healthcare arena, for example, helping right. small practices. We were talking about right. that because when I'm not here on the mic, I'm part of a small medical practice here in Atlanta. Um, and I know uh, from, from our own efforts, it's a small business and so small group. And so the rates are, you know, as you described. Um, so talk about 
who can participate in, right. and and how they go about that? Well, that's a good question because most people I say, well, why isn't everybody doing this? Mm-hmm. And that's the question we get. Well, you have to be a member of one of the sponsoring associations. So take specifically in Georgia where we have the Physicians Alliance Health Plan Trust that you alluded to. You have to become a member of the PAA, which is the Physicians Alliance of America, okay. which is a large national small practice GPO. Uh, they do everything from vaccination rebates to, you know, staples and, you know, they help small practices. I just get with my stuff power. cheaper. Yeah. yeah, you get your stuff cheaper. Essentially, we built the same thing on the healthcare platform. You, but you have to be a member of the PAA to then get an access to get a quote from us. Um, now, one of the advantages or disadvantages, depending on the practice that we have, is we're able to have preferred rates to substandard rates. So each practice would go through an application process and get medically evaluated, and then we issue a rate based on the risk that we see. If you're a healthy practice that you alluded to. Um, which in Georgia, about 70% of the small businesses were in the healthy risk pool uh, when ACA impacted. But now, as you, as we all know, what ACA has done is the healthy is subsidizing the unhealthy in the marketplace. Right. And that's just a fact. Um, and you can speak to it politically however you want, but that's just a fact. I would love to, but I try not to get political. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what we are able to do is issue a preferred rate for a healthy group, which you can't get in the market. The other thing we do um, we have, we, it, we offer the Cigna national PPO network, um, which one of the other impacts the ACA is having is the network and accessibility for, for the employees and, and their spouses is getting smaller and smaller in the state. Um, what we do is offer a national PPO plan through Cigna, which you would have to be a 10, 15, 20,000 employee group like, you know, Home Depot or Coca-Cola to access that network. And what that means is you're in network in all 50 states. And... I mean, I, I don't really understand why, why more people aren't jumping in to, to become members of the association. And, and, and so from if I have a, a, a business association of some kind, some aggregation of members is in my group, I mean, is there some sort of requirement from, for them to be able to participate in a self-funded plan like what you're talking about you, if they're not yet already Right. Clients of yours. Most of the associations we work with have to be large associations with a with a breadth of memberships. That, like how big are we talking? Um, usually, five thousand members uh, is a good number because what you can't do is build something too small, then it becomes unstable. So what we look for is the large national or regional associations um, that have a large uh, group of uh, members. And then under that, we've had smaller associations, like we've had the Utility Contractors of Georgia and the Construction Suppliers Association in, in another trade um, trust plan we built that came under the Home Builders Association of Georgia. So, um, you know, the smaller ones can team up with the big one and, and get access to it. And to do that, how do they, I mean, logistically, how do they team up, if you will? Well, they put money in. Um, the sponsoring association is the funder. Uh, they go to the state, and we, we basically work with the actuaries and come up with a, you know, We need about a half a million dollars to start, which is traditionally about the number you need uh, in cash reserves. And then you go out and market, and then you know as you just collect premiums. You, you essentially we run a nonprofit health insurance company. What we did was we took out the um, executive teams of the carriers and a lot of the ROI and, and stuff that the carriers build into their product line, and we stripped that out. All of our trusts are run by a board of trustees that are not compensated. Um, and HCS is the plan supervisor. We work with the TPA who pays the claims. We work with the actuary. We work with Munich Re, who's our reinsurer. 
and we work with Cigna, who does our network. We make sure all those parts are working together, but we do it at a much less expensive rate ratio than the carriers do. So that adds some competitive balance too. So why wouldn't this really gain some mass? Because I mean, everybody's talking about you know the big debate goes on about what are we going to do about the ACA if anything, and clearly we know. And I mean, now once we clear the election hurdle, which is the reason why we delayed the implementation that's going to smack the small business owners, right. who would obviously be affected in their voting patterns if it happened before that. Um, but it would seem to me that this model would more or less just blow up. I mean, because, because that's where we are. The factor that you're happening. talking about there is it, I was reading an article the other day on LinkedIn Pulse that talked about the fact that a lot of the costs that we're talking about in our healthcare spending is on the items that you mentioned, the executive team, the the marketing, the profit that we got to make, mm-hmm. you know, because we're a for profit business. Mm-hmm. So taking that element out and really stripping that down to the bare bones minimum, you guys, I'm sure, still make a decent living, but it's maybe not uh, on the order of the billions that we're talking about no. for, a, you know, those big companies. Well, I think, CW, most people don't understand how much cash the health carriers had accumulated in this country over the last 10, 15 years. Um, and I've got very good friends that run very good carriers, but they had billions and billions and billions of dollars in cash sitting on the sidelines. And... They accumulated that because it was a very profitable business when they weren't forced to take a certain market of the insured, you know, the insurance market, which was the unhealthy. Now that they're forced to do it, that model's breaking down for them. Um, so that's why you see all the carriers consolidating. One. I mean, is it really breaking down, or are they just making less? They're making less. <laughs> they're claiming it's breaking down. <laughs> yes. Oh my God! They're, they're just making, making less. less. They're, instead of making you know twenty four to twenty eight percent on everything. They're probably down inside under you know ten to twelve percent. We still, can't we can't sustain that. No, <laughs> not when the guys are flying around in G fives. So. <laughs> so, but we are we are U.S. wise and everybody. It, our business is is on in a tremendous explosion period. Um, we are now working actually with a regional carrier in the Midwest to build a product like what we've done in Georgia and what we've done in Ohio for them. Uh, the carriers see that this is, hey, look, we can have our ACA products, which are required, our exchange products, our small group products, but we need something else to help get access to that preferred market to, to really aggregate those healthy groups back together and make it a profitable risk pool. And over the last 12 months, we've started projects in three or four major states, and most of them we're working hand-in-hand with carriers on. So from the perspective of the uh, the insurance commissioners and everything, it's – Totally cool with them. They love it. I mean, they most of your red state insurance commissioners really love it. Uh, when you get to the blue states, not as much um, because we are because that. We like it to cost a lot. Well, well <laughs> they want everybody buying it from one or two or three carriers. That's it's simple for them. They they th- they philosophically believe that everybody should be buying it the same way through the exchange. In your red states, that's why you saw the big pushback. Those commissioners said that's unfair. You know, we, uh, we we have Medicaid, we have Medicare, we now, now we have an ACA product, an exchange product for those unhealthy people, which I'm glad we do. They needed a place to land. But that doesn't mean you should take all the good stuff that was going on before with large association and chambers, taking that opportunity for healthy businesses and healthy groups to get a better rate than the unhealthy. Um, so 
in the red states, we have a, we're very popular. We, we tend to stay out of the blue states anyway. Talking with Brian Keene, President and CEO of Health Cooperative Strategies, and John Mammon, CEO of Empowered IT, and we've been learning about outsourced IT solutions and then, of course, how that came into play for the folks at Health Cooperative Strategies. And Brian's been sharing some interesting information about options that are available now. Uh, we can, we kind of felt like we didn't really have a whole lot of options, but there very well may be. It's worth exploring with your trade association um, that that your business may be a part of or or maybe have access to if you're not a part of XYZ Trade Association, may be worth looking into to find out, hey, if I'm a member, do I get access to a self-funded health insurance plan? Right. It's basically a self, it's a nonprofit health insurance plan. So... Um, they are self-funded health plans, but, uh, you know, I'll give a little credit to the Physicians Alliance America, your physician as well. And they were the first big association in the physician world to step out and say, all right, we're going to do this for our members. The the biggest uh, cry they heard from their membership is, look, we have solutions to MedMal. You have solutions to, you know, the vaccination rebates and all the other stuff that GPO traditionally does. But what you're not solving is our is usually the second largest item on the P&L, which is their benefits. Um, so for small businesses, which as you know, practices are small businesses and the ACA hurt physicians, as we talked earlier on both sides, A as a provider through the discounts and the reimbursements and those networks. And then also the small businesses, their premiums are going up. Um, so we, we really were happy to work with the PAA to come out and establish a health plan that's for physicians and, and their staff and their employees and, um, it's growing very fast. Uh, we work with a lot of agencies in the city. Um, we're not the distribution arm. If, if you know, I've always said if we could figure that part out, we'd, we'd be exactly the size we want to be. Um, but, you know, we have to work with agents that have those relationships with those practices. And sometimes they like our product. Sometimes they have alliances to the other carriers. So that's some of the nuances we have to work through as we continue to grow. So when you talk about distribution, you're talking about the you're guy or gal that knocks on my door to mm-hmm. say, hey, think about think about XYZ plan. Right. Your insurance agencies in, are in the city. So, but it would you would think that they would have to have a pretty strong plan for them to not want to take a look at what you're talking about. Really, up until this year, CW, we we were pretty evenly matched, except for your really healthy groups. But as rates have continued to climb in the 50 and under market, and now you know next year with the 100 and under uh, employee market, your the rates are continuing to go up. So our standard and preferred rates are much much more attractive. So when we're talking, Brian, about using the practice I'm a part of. I'm not a physician. I just play one on TV. Um, I'm the physician <laughs> liaison for the group. But um, when you when you look at a physician practice like ours, I don't know, all the, across the several locations, we're probably talking 20 or 30, maybe a little more uh, employees, certainly 50 or less. Um, so if, if CW is a bit of a sloth and he's not very healthy, is that what determines or what determines that particular business's rate? Well, is that's about the right rate. Or? It, well, we look at the whole risk as the practice. So your 20 or 30 employees would be looked at as a whole and look at the whole risk. So you can have, like yourself, if you were a little unhealthy or cholesterol, diabetes, everybody has a little something. Um, but overall, we look at the risk of the group. So, yes, we have a, the 30, maybe 3, 4, 5 are a little unhealthy, but the other ones are healthy. And so they'll drive that healthier rate for you. Um, now, where we don't work is the smaller practices of maybe five to ten and six or have major health issues. <laughs> so I see. And we're not a solution for that. And that's what I always tell you. We're not a solution for everybody. We're, 
we're a direct response to what we felt the ACA did in the association and chamber market, which was take that preferred risk pool, that ability for healthy groups to aggregate to get a better health insurance rate than they're going to get in the exchange market right now. And so from a competitive perspective on the landscape, if I'm in the exchange market, then that means I can't play in this space. Is that what you're telling me? So, so I don't know, name some large company out there that's in the exchange markets that they now can't somehow come in with more of a, I don't know, uh, administratively. Right. Like Blue Cross Blue Shield in Georgia. Blue Cross, United Healthcare, those traditional carriers in Georgia, um, Aetna, uh, they have exchange products. No, the carriers, the ACA, and the carriers didn't like this part at all. They they certainly fought it. Uh, They took the preferred risk pool element out of it. Um, The federal government said, look, if you're going to play in the exchanges, then your rates have to be your rates. Uh, you can't give discounted rates out to the associations and chambers like you used to. Um, and that's just part of the law now. And, and you know, But for that, the federal government felt like they gave them a whole new market of uninsured. Well, uh, they did. Right. So now some of the carriers would say we didn't want that market anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> the basis of the ACA was created to allow ac- accessibility to insurance products for everyone. And from from your perspective, I mean, where where's it all going? You know, I get asked that a lot. Um, you know, w- our space is growing tremendously across the country. You see a lot of chambers and large associations aggregating together to figure out some sort of health insurance alternative. Um, because I think everybody knows when you added a large unhealthy pool into a healthy pool that the rates are going to have to continue to climb to justify. I mean, you've got to pay the claims. The carriers have to pay those claims. Um, the questions always comes up, do you think the government's going to bail them out eventually? They'll run out of money. Will they become, you know, these carriers will, will become insolvent, you know, similar to the banking crisis? Will we have an insurance-type crisis? Um, I don't know. I think there's two schools of thought in Washington. One is the ACA stays the way it is, nothing else gets added to it, and we run this course for a while. Then you would have another set of people across the aisle. Um, originally that wanted a single-payer system, very similar to the European and Canadian option. And uh, there's still a large group of politicians out there that still would love to see a single-payer option. And what may happen is we may come to a tipping point in eight to ten years. We have one already that they're running, right? Yes, we do. The VA? Mm -hmm. It's working great. Tremendous (laughs) success. People are thrilled. (laughs) Yes. Um, High level of efficiency and a model. Exactly. (laughs) Accessibility, easy to get to, in and out in just minutes. I want the government managing it for everybody. I know. I mean, you you know, that's what I I get frustrated about on this kind of topic coming from the healthcare side of things is just is is looking at the – that side of things, the administrative side of things, how 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 we can think that our that the government can really manage anything efficient efficiently, particularly when well they're dictating to practices now, you know what you have to code and you know how much you can charge and how much you're going to get paid, and they're going to do that to hospitals. And you know my fear is, you know I've got you know kids growing up. I you know I thought one of them at least one would be go to medical school, but. Now it's why would you? why would you? Yeah, you want to go work for the government and be told exactly, you know, invest all this money in your own life, and then they're going to tell you how much you can make, um, no matter what your quality of care is. And I think that's that's a 
certainly a topic for another show. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So going back to our, our, our discussion about the, the, the association who's thinking, wow, maybe I've got this, I've got the size. Mm-hmm. So they just need to be able to have some cash reserves such that they can stroke a check essentially to, to start the plan. Correct. And then that kind of the, do the premiums come into the plan or do they come to that, to the association? Where does, where does that flow? The premiums go to the trust. The health plan, because it's the carrier. Uh, the association does benefit um, through a sponsorship fee that they get back on each premium dollar. There's a small sponsorship okay. fee usually. So that can kind of be recouped over time. Right, they can recoup over time. Plus, I'll tell you, a lot of the associations that do this now are not only maintaining membership. Well, that's which what I was just going to say. They're from growing. a growth, yeah, They're growing. that would make people want to be there. And they charge, you know, anywhere, you know, from seventy-five dollars a you know month to. Twenty dollars a month to some of our associations charge eight hundred to a thousand dollars a year, and they're growing their membership because they're providing a benefit that truly most businesses are looking for that benefit. I mean, a lot of members go go to an association because hey, they just like going to the meetings and the conference once a year. They really are looking for that valuable benefits that they can't find with another association. And. So talk talk about how how the those associations if they've been you know if we our message gets in the hands of one of the folks from XYZ association who's not yet participating in such a plan where do they go to get information so that they can find out if this is going to work Well they would go to our website you know www.healthcoopstrategies.com and uh, I will tell you John and his team is in the process of deconstructing that and reconstructing it uh, reconstructing it better um, which it certainly needed but uh, it, they would go there and find our contact information and reach out to us but uh, we'd love to work with associations especially in Georgia but we see a lot of momentum in the southeast and the Midwest right now when you look around at the associations that are around there I would assume that you're you're calling on and say to hey have you ever considered um, do you I mean how penetrated are you into those that are around here. There's a tremendous opportunity still. Um, Now, I will tell you, the DOI, the Department of Insurance of Georgia, doesn't want a bunch of these little ones. Uh, We have a a fairly large one here with the physicians. Um, They would want more and more people to participate up under that one, associations to join up under there and put their members with the physicians. Uh, But there's still room. I mean, I think in what, what we've seen in Ohio, we've grown drastically up there. And what we're working on in Tennessee and Texas is you're just seeing a lot of associations that are banding up. Maybe you don't want to go on the hook. If you're an association, I don't want to go on the hook by myself with this thing. Let's get two or three or more of my like-minded association heads. And they all hang out together. They go to the conferences together. And that's what you're seeing. You're seeing an aggregation of the association. Say, all right, let's build one massive one. Uh, just from a risk perspective, it's a much better uh, deal. Anything to want to throw out there that we haven't covered yet that folks might benefit from knowing about? Um, well, I'll tell you, Empowered IT does a great job with our IT support outsourcing. I'm a firm believer in outsourcing IT now, uh, having both sides of it, you know, with our previous partner internally and now outsourcing it. We think it's a much better model. Um, and I would, I, I would tell you, if, if you're interested in getting a quote, look on the website, www.pahpt, Physicians Alliance Health Plan Trust, just pahpt.com, and, and request a quote and somebody will contact you. Awesome. How about you, John? Any thoughts that we didn't get to cover before we let you get back to it? No, I think that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of organizations uh, out. Everybody's got somebody that's doing IT support. And, um, you know, I've been in this business a long time. I know a lot of 
the people out there, a lot of the organizations out there doing it. Um, um, some people say to me, you know, there's an awful lot of competition in your space. Why are you doing this? And um, I, I will answer it the same way every time. I'm passionate about helping small and medium businesses. And while there are a lot of people out there providing IT support, um, uh, there's not a lot of them doing it well. And so uh, we're, we're, we'd love to work with small and medium companies and, and really raise the bar in terms of the support uh, they're getting. And how are you how are you getting the word out? I mean, obviously you're here, but I mean, you have somebody that's knocking on a door to say, hey, I would love to talk to you about your IT solutions? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. We do have, um, we have uh, different organizations, I'm sorry, different uh, uh, folks working inside of different organizations like associations um, where we're uh, hopefully uh, providing a, uh, a benefit to the constituents of that association, um, like the, um, the physicians that we talked about the last time you and I were together. Um, and we also have, you know, an inside direct sales force, you know, uh, doing the traditional email marketing, doing the traditional uh, cold calling, uh, knocking on doors, so to speak, leveraging relationships and so forth. So, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times in this space, the, the, the sad reality is, you know, if it's if everything happens to be working that day, you know, our IT must be OK. Uh, and it isn't until there is a crisis um, or a series of problems that business owners stand up, take notice and say, hmm, we must need to make a change here. So a lot of times what we're doing is, you know, talking with organizations after, you know, those brush fires have started <laughs> right. um, versus um, helping them understand there is a value in having this discussion proactively uh, in advance. So um, that's the kind of messaging we're working on now. And tell people where to go again to link up with you. Uh, www.empoweredit.com. And that's spelled M. Uh, power edit. So empowered IT. I have <laughs> to spell it out that first way. time. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I, yeah. I misread that. So yeah, empoweredit.com. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you haven't done so already and you're checking out the podcast, uh, up on the upper right hand corner of the podcast page is the Apple logo. Make sure you follow that over to the iTunes store where the Midtown Business Radio Show podcast is and subscribe to that. If your company is in the B2B space and that means your client is another business, we're introducing you to executives every week of the of the year. Every Tuesday, you'd have the opportunity to call somebody and say, hey, I heard you say this and such as it happens. Our company can help you with that. That's a great place to start your conversations. And if you know a company that's in the B2B space that could benefit from coming here to share their story and talk a little bit about how they're able to help a business run more efficiently, dropping more profit to the bottom line or helping them grow a little bit more rapidly on the top line, we would love to hear from you. Make a re recommendation. We'll be happy to see if we can get them on the show. And uh, to uh, Brian Keene from Health Cooperative Strategies and John Mammon from Empowered IT, thanks for coming by the studio today, man. I think uh, the topics that we're talking about were very interesting, and I'm really happy to be putting some information out there that uh, hopefully will Thank end you. up helping somebody out here in our business community, particularly on the medical practice side of things. For sure, we could use it. Absolutely. Thank you, CW. Yeah. For thanks so me. much for having us on. Well, for, for all you folks out there who made us a part of your day today, we really appreciate you. Please turn around and share this. You never know who you're going to help that you just uh, really do care about. So we hope you turn around and share this great information with your folks. And we look forward to seeing you here at the same time, same place next week. We'll see you then.